Well, good evening, everyone. Certainly nice to be back. See you all again. Um, we'll just open with a word of prayer before we turn to the scriptures. Father, we just thank you for your goodness to us and your grace and your love that you showed to us. We thank you that you've kept us. Uh, we thank you that you protect us and uphold us. Father, we just pray <clears throat> for a, a blessing tonight as we've uh, returned to gather together uh, to listen to your word. Uh, Father, we just pray for, <clears throat> for help as we consider this passage tonight, a great unfolding of uh, the history and uh, that which is to come. And Father, we just pray that, uh, that these things might be a comfort to us, knowing that we have a God who has all these uh, <clears throat> things planned out and in control and for your purposes, and uh, you are bringing about your will. And Father, we just, uh, just pray that you might encourage us. We pray for those that are not with us and can't be with us for various different reasons. We just lovingly commit them to you, Father. We uh, just pray you'll just keep them and watch them uh, where they are, and that just be a comfort to them, many perhaps uh, struggling in these times, and we just pray, Father, that you would just uphold them by your power and just give them comfort and, and strength in these times. Father, then we just pray for a blessing as we seek uh, <coughs> to spend it together now for a little while. We ask it in our Saviour's precious name. Amen. So uh, Daniel chapter 11 is uh, where we're up to in our study through Daniel. And... Uh, off. Sorry, there we go. Uh, we are in Daniel chapter 11, and um, a long chapter, so we're not going to read it together, but we'll just uh, work our way through it and just refer to the verses as we go. Um, now, this is uh, chapter 10, 11, and 12, is all really one section. Uh, last week, we, when we looked at chapter 10, that was the the introduction, if you like, we had uh, an angel messenger come to Daniel in response to his prayer, and then he gives to him um, this prophecy, if you like, um, of what's to come, and uh, that's all through chapter 11, and then the conclusion of it um, is in chapter 12. It's a long chapter, so um, we'll see how we go if I'm... If we're here for a while, it's because it's a long chapter. If, if, if it's very short, it's because I've forgotten half of what I was supposed to say. There's a lot to uh, try and get through. Um, so I have uh, printed off, um, well, Dad printed off because we run out of paper, some, some notes just to try and break the chapter up to um, hang our thoughts on, as it were, as we go through the chapter, uh, just to try and piece it together a little bit because this is... Um, a great period of history that we're going to look at tonight. The first 35 verses, although for Daniel it was to be future, they are now history past for us. And then verses 36 to the end of the chapter is still future. But I call that history that is yet to happen because God has already planned it. He already knows what it's going to be every tiny little detail. It's just not yet happened. So we've got history pass for us in the first 35 verses and history yet to happen in the final uh, 10 verses or so. Now you remember that, um, that Daniel was, had been reading the book of Jeremiah. We thought about this last week. And he was very upset uh, because 
he knew that the 70 years of captivity were coming to an end and he thought that was to be it for the suffering of his people, that they would go back to their land, go back to Jerusalem, the temple would be rebuilt, the city would be rebuilt and the worship of God would be restored and the people would return to the Lord. But it didn't quite happen that way. There was, two years prior to this, there was a decree from Cyrus that the Jews could return, but only about 40,000 of them returned. And there would have been millions of Jews scattered throughout the Persian Empire at that time. Remember, we are now in the Persian Empire in Daniel's time. The, the rule of Babylon has ended, and this is now the ruling world power is Persia. And the Jews were scattered uh, and, and lived in and amongst the Persians, but only a very small people a small amount of the people had gone back. They, they couldn't be bothered to go back and to rebuild the temple and to rebuild the city. They, had been, uh, they were too comfortable living in a pagan land. And Daniel um, gets this revelation by God. He, he responds to his sadness, as he always does, we saw last week, and he prays. He prays, and three weeks later... There is an angel come and speak to him because this angel we saw this great, uh, this we saw last week this remarkable occasion that the, 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 this angel had been held up on the way. Um, and Michael, great archangel Michael, had to come and help because he was held up against the prince of Persia. There's, there's, there's obviously, battery's gone off. There is um, this great warring that goes on in the spiritual realm um, that we uh, can't see but is happening and uh, that whether this was the, they were trying to stop the, the prince of Persia which was obviously the satanic um, element of it was trying to stop the Jews returning but, but Michael uh, who is the protector of God's people I think we've got some flat batteries um, is there and uh, helps this angel and, uh, and uh, it comes to pass. And he has to give this message to Daniel now in chapter 11 and then he has to return. And the message is this, is that the suffering of the nation of Israel, because these chapters now, 11 and 12, are predominantly to do with the nation of Israel. They have, prior to this, the prophecies that Daniel has had has been in relation to the Gentile nations. Remember the visions that Nebuchadnezzar had this is all about the Gentile nations. We, we learned that there was going to be the Babylonian Empire and the Persian Empire and the Greek Empire and the Roman Empire. And, uh, and, 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 and it's been predominantly about the Gentiles because now is the time of the Gentiles. And although we, we are going to be thinking about Gentile kings tonight, the, the, the thought is, is really for, for Daniel to realise that the sufferings of God people is not yet ended. They are going to go on for a millennia yet. But God is gracious and God is faithful to his people. And uh, ultimately, um, God is going to protect his people through these difficult times. See that chapter one, at, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, at time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And God is going to... Uh, protect his people he is still dealing with them he's still purging his people this was the purpose of this suffering throughout these these years and this millennia even to 
uh, this to this day. And God had warned all his people of this. You see all of this in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, that if they, if they disobeyed him, if they went after other gods, that God would scatter them amongst the nations. They would be a weakened people, numerically. Uh, they would no longer be innumerable as the stars of the sky. And uh, still today, the Jews, although they have now uh, returned to their land, and we are on the horizon of all these end times now, um, they are a weakened nation, but upheld by God. And they have endured suffering. And this is the, 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 the truth that's revealed to Daniel. This is going to continue for his people. Um, the nation suffering will endure. And so we get this plan of the ages uh, presented to Daniel here in chapter 11. And the first 35 verses, which for us now is history past, is one of the greatest attacked portions of, of the Bible because they are so accurate. We know all about the history of the Greeks and we know all about the history of the Romans. We know about the history of Egypt and we know about uh, all of this uh, that is referred to in Daniel chapter 11. is well known and well documented uh, in, in, in the annuals of history and it's so fiercely attacked that they say surely these things had to have been written after the events and of course there are m- numerous reasons and evidence how it can be proved that the book of Daniel was actually written before these times because God who knows these things reveals them to Daniel and so he <clears throat> in, in, in verse 1 in the first year of Darius the Mede I even I stood up Confirm and strengthen him. And now I will tell you the truth. Behold, three more kings will arise in Persia. The fourth shall be far richer than them all. Remember, this is Persian Empire. So the first king we're going to think about is this uh, king number one on your chart, who is the fourth king. It's not that there weren't there weren't any kings, but the, the the. the, the fourth king from, from Cyrus, okay, so four generations later, if you like, we have, <coughs> oh, yes, please, yeah, sorry. I have been a little bit organised for notes, I just didn't quite, I haven't given them out. <coughs> So the the fourth king is this king who is referred to here in the Persian Empire, who was notably greater than the three kings before him. Uh, He was far greater in wealth and in strength. This king is Ahasuerus, who you may well know was the king referred to in the book of Esther. He was King Ahasuerus. Remember, the book of Esther is based when the, when the Jews are, in, are in, scattered in Persia. And we have that account where Haman seeks to persecute Mordecai and eradicate the Jews. And, uh, of course, this is all... Remember, the underlying thread here is the suffering of the Jewish people. And Ahasuerus uh, is the man referred to here, who is this fourth notably greater king. Uh, referred to in Esther chapter 1 from 486 BC to 465 BC. 
And uh, this is, of course, remember, this is, this is happening uh, several hundred years, there's several years prior to all this happening. And um, this, as we know, did take place. And we read that he shall stir up all against the realm of Greece. Ahasuerus um, brought his army together. He had one of the greatest armies that is recorded in history. And he went and he attacked the Greeks. Now, he failed in his uh, attempt to attack the Greeks. But many men died um, from both sides. And the Greeks never forgot this account when Ahasuerus attacked the Greeks. Although he was defeated, they never forgot it. And 150 years later, there were several other kings that come along from then, but the next notable king that is picked out for us by the word of God is the the second king, then a mighty king in verse 3, shall arise, who shall rule with great dominion and do according to his will. This man is known as Alexander the Great. All our kings tonight begin with the letter A to try and help us remember them. This is Alexander the Great. Now, he was a hugely successful uh, leader, military leader, that you can read about and you can watch films about. And uh, we know quite a lot about Alexander the Great. And he was truly a great leader. He conquered um, Persia. You remember, God foretold that the, the Persian Empire would be, uh, would be followed by the Greek Empire. And he uh, had a great conquering... Um, we read here, he, do, had with great, he shall rule with great dominion. He conquered all of the, the known land. His troops went as far as they could before they were completely worn out, conquering absolutely everything in their sight. They went traipsed through the land of Israel and um, conquered everything to as far as India, down into the south, into Egypt. And this is referred to us by the, uh, as, as Alexander the Great. And he was only 33 years of age um, when he conquered absolutely everything in the known world until his army was literally worn out. But Alexander the Great dies, and we read this, and his kingdom shall be broken up and divided toward the four winds of heaven. Now, Alexander the, the Great, he had uh, children, uh, three, three sons, uh, all of which were murdered. And so the kingdom that he had didn't go to any of his children, but it was divided up. In fact, there was a great battle that took place and it was won by four generals, four of his generals in, in the army. Which are the which is the what we read here in the scripture that this would happen the kingdom would be would be divided up to the four winds of heaven, and uh, each of these generals took an area of the empire, one to the north, one to the south, one to the east, and one to the west, and from this point on the focus for us is on the king of the north and the king of the south. Now, not always when it's referred to the king in the singular is it referring to a king, but a, a dynasty of kings, if you like. The whole kingdom of kings in the north and the south. And obviously, this is referred to in location with regards to Israel being the central point. The north of Israel being Syria, 
and the south of Israel being Egypt. And so the attention now focuses upon these two kingdoms, if you like. Okay, so when we refer to the king of the south and the king of the north. And uh, the years go on and there is great, um, great battles between these two and great power um, breeding between them. And um, <clears throat> between the king of the north and the king of the south, uh, we shall see. And, and also the king of the south shall become strong as well as one of his princes and he shall gain power over him. And have dominion, his dominion shall be a great dominion. And at the end of some of those years, they shall join forces for the daughter of the king of the south shall go to the king of the north to make an agreement. Now, often in these time, uh, times, that in order to, to make peace with a nation or to form some sort of treaty, you would give your daughter uh, to the king of the nation you wanted to make peace with. And this is exactly what happened. The king of the north, the king of Syria. I'm not going to give you all their king's names because one, you'll forget them, two, I can't pronounce them, and um, you'll just have to go away and perhaps read some of these things for yourself. I'm just going to refer to them as the king of the north, king of the south, except for the ones that are mentioned on our section here. But the king of the north, he gives his daughter to the king, sorry, the king of the south gives his daughter to the king of the north. Now, the king of the north was already married, so he divorces his wife and marries uh, the daughter of the south, Um, But she's not too impressed about being divorced. So she murders his wife, his new wife from the south, and uh, poisons him as well. And this is what is referred to in our section when it says, um, Neither he nor his authority shall stand, but she shall be given up with those who brought her and with him who begot her and with him who strengthened her in those times. But from her, a branch of her roots one shall arise in his place. This is referred to now as the murdered wife. Okay? Her son becomes the new king. Prior to this, there is the, the brother of the, the wife of the south comes up, who had been murdered, and conquers the king of the north. There's this constant battle between the king of the north and the king of the south. You can learn a bit about this in history. And they, they steal and they plunder the king of the north. But there is a new one from the roots of the murdered wife. And his name is Antiochus the Great that we learn about, who is the branch of her roots. <coughs> and he um, is, the, is, the northern, is the northern king, okay? And um, <coughs> he uh, referred to as being... Um, one of her roots said, Arise in place, you shall come with an army and enter the fortress of the king of the north and deal with them and prevail. And he shall also carry their gods captive to Egypt with their princes and their precious articles of silver and gold and shall continue more years than the king of the north. And the king of the north shall come to the kingdom of the king of the south, but shall return to his own land. However, his sons shall stir up with strife and assemble a multitude of great forces, and one shall certainly come and overwhelm and pass through, and he shall return to his fortress and stir up strife. So here now we have referred to as how the king of the north will there will be one of the sons. This is two this is one of two sons, and Antiochus the Grace is one of these two sons who comes back down to the land of Egypt and conquers the land of Egypt. Um, 
after the death of his father and plunders the land of Egypt and conquers the, defeats the king of the south. And all of this is happening, all of these battles are happening, they keep traipsing up and down over the land of Israel, who's in the middle, getting caught up in all of these things. And so he is uh, the third king, Antiochus the Great, who comes down again and conquers the land of Egypt. He tries it twice. First time he, he comes, he comes with about 75,000 men and he fights and he isn't successful. But the second time he comes down and um, we learn that there is uh, a band of, of men that joined him, others that joined him uh, with a multitude and assemble a multitude of great forces and that will certainly come and overwhelm through, and he shall return into his force, fortress. Stern up, uh, and the king of the south shall be moved with rage. So that was the first time that he comes and shall go out to fight with him and the king of the north who shall muster a great multitude but the multitude shall be given into the hand of his enemies. So that's the first time he comes, he is defeated. Verse 12, when he was taken away, the multitude, his heart will be lifted up and will be cast down tens of thousands, but he will not prevail. For the king of the north will return and muster a multitude greater than the former. So he comes again the second time with a bigger army. This is Antiochus the Great. And shall certainly come at the end of some years with a great army and much equipment. He comes with many elephants, And in those times, many shall rise up against the king of the south. Also violent men and your people shall exalt themselves in fulfilment of the vision, but they shall fall. So shall the king of the north shall come and build a siege mound and take a fortified city and the forces of the south shall not withstand him. Even his choice troops, they shall have no strength to resist. But he who comes against him shall do according to his own will. And no one shall stand against him. He shall stand in the glorious land with destruction in his power. There we read about some of your people, Daniel's people, were going to be joined. They were really apostate rebels, wanting to just try and make some sort of, if they thought if they helped the king of the north defeat the king of the south, then maybe they'll get some peace in their land. But uh, he doesn't honour it. And he, he, the king of the north, Antiochus the Great, defeats the Egyptians. And he comes back and he stands in the glorious land with destruction in his power, the land of Israel, which is just the fighting ground and the battleground. And... Um, the children of Israel are just pawns in all of these battles that are taking place. <clears throat> and um, after he defeats uh, the king of the south, he turns, um, he turns his, his, his thoughts. Um, well, so after that, we learn that he shall give him the daughter of women to destroy it, verse 17, but she shall not stand with them or be for him. After he's defeated the king of the south, Antiochus gives his daughter, um, Cleopatra, um, who was to be a spy, if you like, in the Egyptian camp. But she um, actually just loves her, her husband more than she loves her father. So that doesn't work out for him at all. And then in verse 19, this is how Titus the Great, then he shall turn his face toward the fortress of his own land, but he shall stumble and fall and not be found. He is actually um, defeated in the end by the, the Romans. And um, he, 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 sorry, he goes off to fight the Romans and uh, he's defeated by the Romans and he comes back to his own land and 
He is so depressed by it all, he actually ends up just plundering and stealing from his own people who were so uh, distressed by him, they end up killing their own king. And it says that when he returns, as we've seen in scripture, that he shall not be found. He is um, killed. And so all these, these tiny little details that we're getting, we're actually, we can find them completely to be truthful in history itself. And so that's the, the end of Antiochus the Great, who is murdered by his own period. Then for a short while, we learn that the Romans are going to tax the Syrians. In verse 20, there shall arise in the place one who imposes taxes on the glorious kingdom. And of course, that's referred to Israel. They're taxed by the Romans for a while. And in his place shall arise a vile person to whom they will not give the honour or royalty. And we're coming to the fourth king now in our section. Um, Antiochus IV, who is a man who has no right to the throne. He is not a member of royalty, um, but yet he becomes king. He is just this, uh, referred to us as a vile person. He is just by his own cunning and wicked ways and uh, planning and scheming, he ascends somehow to the throne. And he is a, a vile and a wicked and evil man. Uh, really, if you like, he is for it given to us as a picture, prototype of the Antichrist that we're going to see in the final few verses of, um, of the chapter. Um, so this is a, a, a vile man, king number four, who has ascended to the throne, although he has no right to rule, um, but he makes himself to be the king. Now, um, we're, we're learning now then in verse, uh, we're in verse 21, and his place shall arise a vile person to whom they will not give the honour or royalty, but he shall come in peacefully and seize the kingdom by intrigue. This is all the, his, his cunning and his scheming. He shall, be, he shall perceive to be himself as, as the good guy, helping out where he can. Um, with the force of the flood, they shall be swept away from before him and be broken, and also the prince of the covenant. And after that, the league is made with him. He shall act deceitfully, for he shall not come up and become strong with a small number of people. He shall enter peaceably, even into the richest places of the province. And he shall do what his fathers have not done, nor his forefathers. He shall disperse among them the plunder, spoil and riches. So he, sh- he shared out <clears throat> all the plunder that, he was, that he, was, he was getting from his, the victories that he was having in his battles and sharing it among the people so he'd get the people on his side. And then he would devise his plans against the strongholds, <clears throat> but only for a time. He would stir up his power. So he becomes more and more powerful. In, in the north, and he is stirred up a great army. He says he stirs up his courage against the king of the south with a great army. So again, we're having this continual battling between the north and the south. And this is Antiochus IV, or Epiphanes. He is also referred to us. Now he's again, after resuming great power, he is going to go after... Um, the king of the south. And uh, the king of the, he comes down to the king of the south. Remember, this is Egypt. 
and he shall stir up the battle with a very great and mighty army. But he shall not stand, for they shall devise plans against him. That is, the king of the south shall not stand. His own counsellors, the pharaoh at this time, is almost betrayed by his own counsellors, and he is um, defeated by Antiochus the fourth. And uh, yes, those who eat the portion of his delicacies shall destroy him. His army shall be swept away and many shall fall down slain. Both these kings' hearts shall be bent on evil and they shall speak lies at the same table, but it shall not prosper for the end will still be at the appointed time. So he's defeated Pharaoh by Antiochus IV and they make some sort of pact and this and um, some sort of a treaty, an evil treaty, and they're just lying to each other uh, in the poli- in the world of politics. And um, you know, history doesn't change much, does it? And then it says, while returning to his land with great riches, says Antiochus the Fourth, his heart shall be moved against the holy covenant, so he shall do damage and return to his own land. Uh, he shall do, uh, his heart shall be moved against the holy covenant, that is, against the people of Israel, the land of Israel. On his way back from his, his victory, he's just stirred up to persecute um, the children of Israel, and he does much damage to the children of Israel. Um, we learn uh, in verse 31. Uh, or the end of verse 30, so he shall return and show regard for those who forsake the holy covenant uh, and forces shall be mustered by him and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. They shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination desolation. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. And so he, he pours out this, this, this great persecution now upon the children of Israel and their own land by this Antiochus the Great, who's a an exceedingly wicked and evil man. He kills many of the Jews. <clears throat> he sets guards around the temple, stops them from worshipping. He slays a pig on the, on, on the altar. Horrendous. Sets himself up to be worshipped and there's horrendous um, blasphemy <clears throat> against, against God and against the people of God. And um, they, they really suffer tremendously at the hand of Antiochus the Great. Remember, who's a picture presented to us of the Antichrist to come. Um, and then it says, um, verse 33, And those are the people who understand shall instruct many, yet for many days they shall fall by sword and by flame, by captivity and plundering. So this is the real suffering of the children of Israel now. Now when they fall, they shall be aided with a little help. Now, Remember that most of this history now is happening in the 400-year period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. <clears throat> Remember that we have a, we have a gap in our in our Bible, um, the period of the, which is known as the, the Maccabees, and there is one called Judas Maccabee, who um, stands up to rebel against Antiochus the Great, and he brings a little bit of relief to the children of Israel. So he's referred to as the one as. He shall give a little help. And he starts this rebellion, zealous rebellion. Um, but he shall, he shall fall, and those that join him 
also fall in the end as well. Um, that's verse 35. And so some of those under understanding shall fall to refine them, purify them and make them white until the time of the end, because it is still for the appointed time. So Daniel gets this great, this great prophecy of truth revealed to him by this angel, just saying, listen, all this is going to take place, Daniel, and the children of Israel are going to be, are going to suffer, they're going to be, they're going to be just, the land is going to be trampled on, and there's going to be pawns in the great battles that are happening by these Gentile kings, this is the, the time of the Gentiles, and you're going to suffer, the, the people of Israel are going to suffer, because God is still purging, still purging his people. Now all through this time, and all through the, the time of the Jews, there's always a faithful remnant of God's people, and uh, God is, 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 is still saving Jews out of his own people for his, for, uh, to be within. Uh, he is still saving them, but he is, ultimately he is purging his people. And so the fourth king is Antiochus the Great, a picture of the, the Antichrist. That takes us up to verse 35. And all of this is history past, remember, and can be... Uh, we can we can verify all these details. I've given you some of them tonight. There's a lot more that we you know we haven't got time in the short period that we have to go through them all. But um, you know, I encourage you to read about these things because it's you know it's, this is this is fascinating. Our, our Bible that we hold in our hands is 100% accurate and um, <clears throat> and truthful, and uh, we can have great confidence, can't we, in the Word of God. And then we have the final section from verse 36 to 46. Then the king shall do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every God. Now, before that, remember we had that that phrase at the end, until the time of the end. And that really marks a distinct break in the flow of the history that has been... Uh, been being revealed to Daniel on this occasion because it is still for the appointed times. So now we, we're, we're stepping into the future of that which is yet to come. There is this break between verse 35 and 36 um, until the time of the end. So we have now this final king referred to who um, is um, and, and most... Nearly all commentators that you'll read will indeed will just agree that this is known as uh, referred to here. This is the the Antichrist that will come uh, in the last days at the end times period of tribulation that we are thinking about here now. And um, time is time time is going, but um, there are just perhaps a few points I just want you to note about the anti. Christ. We've got his, his character uh, revealed to us in verses 36 to 39, his conflict in verses 40 to 44, and his condemnation in verse 45. He is uh, <clears throat> an absolute sovereign. He is a, an absolute dictator. Whatever he says goes, um, he is lifted up in great pride, coming with that dictatorship. He is a proud 
ruler. He, he will rule with utter <coughs> selfishness. He will do according to his own will. He will magnify himself. This is his, his pride referred to. Um, a very self-centred, um, self-energised man. And um, as we know from scripture, this one is going to be energised by Satan. And um, he will magnify himself above every god. Uh, Satan ultimately seeks to be worshipped. And uh, he, of course, remember right at the very beginning when he fell from heaven was to set himself up to be equal with God. And uh, he seeks to worship, be worshipped. And um, he is, he is the, the driving force behind this final king, uh, the Antichrist, who's, who is a very um, proud and a perverted man, but one that is marked by great power and um, great military power. Um, here we learn, um, verse 39, Thus he shall act against the strongest fortress with a foreign god, and he shall acknowledge and advance its glory, and he shall cause them to rule over many and divide the land for gain. This is, this is talking about his military activity in the end times, in this period of the tribulation, where he shall, he shall set himself up initially uh, to give peace to the land of Israel, and bring stability uh, in the Middle East, where there is still <clears throat> unrest that continues and is forever in the news. And he'll seek to, to, to set himself up as the one who can sort all these things out and be the protector of Israel. And um, <clears throat> he conquers the north and he conquers the south, the north being, and, and the further in the north, Russia itself. And uh, he conquers the south and he, he, is, he is marked by a great power and great military power, this man. Um, in fact, he completely overwhelms the north and the south. And so, um, um, as we will also learn, though, that he, will, he comes back um, and he sits himself, um, if we'll learn, verse 45, after he shall... The verse before, he shall go out with great fury, the end of verse 44, to destroy and to annihilate many. He shall plant the tents of his palace between the seas and the glorious holy mountain. Between the seas, between the Mediterranean Sea and the Dead Sea, which is the land of Israel. Uh, the holy mountain being the Mount of Zion. This king sets himself up on Mount Zion between the, between the kings having defeated the north and the south <clears throat> sets himself up to be worshipped. We know he turns against the, uh, the children of Israel in the, the final three and a half years of the tribulation and fiercely persecutes the people of God. Two out of every, th- two out of every three Jews dies in the great tribulation and there is a, uh, a huge um, amount of suffering for the children of Israel. In these final, final days, they cry out to God. How long? We see in the Book of Revelation, this Antichrist who has set himself up to be God, uh, very anti-religion. He is alone to be worshipped, and he fiercely persecutes the Jews. Of course, <clears throat> we know from reading the Book of Revelation that God sends, God seals one hundred and forty-four thousand of His own people who go out to preach 
and there are many of them that are saved by the grace of God during this time. But finally, this the Antichrist, we find his condemnation, the very the last verses yet, he shall come to his end, and no one will help him. Here he is, uh, set himself up to be the greatest man on the earth, having conquered everybody that's defied him, uh, sets himself up on the, <coughs> on the Mount Zion between seas, and then we learn that's when Christ will come. And as soon as he comes in a blazing glory, there's a, the, the sword comes out of his mouth and slays this king, the Antichrist, and he is no more. No match for the coming king of kings who will come and, <clears throat> and bring his kingdom to the earth and will set up his kingdom for um, his people and the, the Antichrist and Satan are defeated when he comes. So he will come to an end and no one will be able to help him. So for Israel then, this is their, their, their time of their deepest sorrow and their deepest suffering. There will be their deepest humiliation in all of their history is still yet to come. They have been a fiercely persecuted people and all of this is being revealed to Daniel but God is purging them and he is still gracious even though they had completely forsaken him and um, he redeems a he redeems his people um, there is that faithful remnant and he, the, the message is spread during these times and many of the Jews will be saved and God will pick up Again, the dealing of his people, and we'll see a bit more of that in chapter 12. So what does all of this mean for us? And just in closing then, as we've thought about this uh, revelation that's given to Daniel, number one is that God controls everything. God controls the whole plan of history, every ruler. Um, That's not to say that the rulers that are in the world today, the decisions they make, uh, those of God, so they make their own decisions. We read that about, about the men that they rise up according to their own will. They made their own decisions about what they were to do and the terrible crimes they would commit. But through God's providence and through God's purposes, <clears throat> all of these things plan out exactly as he planned to bring his purposes to fruition. And God is in total control. We don't need to worry about who the next president of the United States will be or or what will happen after Brexit, or all these things, because God is in control. Number two, God is going to purge and redeem his people. He's not finished with his own people, Israel. We should have a heart for God's people, that they might hear the gospel and be saved. And finally, the world will end with the Antichrist and a great holocaust and a great judgment being poured out. But Christ will triumph and he will come again and the Antichrist and Satan will be defeated and his saints will forever rule with Christ. And we shall be with him forever and, and share in the victory that Christ will have when he comes again. And sin and evil are finally uh, dealt with by God and completely defeated and 
Christ sets up his rule and his saints will be forever with him, those he has redeemed through the ages, um, through all um, his faithfulness to his people. So God is in control. God has a plan still for his people and Christ will be uh, will come again and uh, be victorious and we shall reign and with him and forever be with him. Just hopefully it's um, you've been able to follow along with the notes and um, it's been helpful just to try and get a bit of an overview of this great chapter. There's many great details that we haven't touched upon but um, hopefully you'll be able to uh, perhaps in your own time go away and you think about these kings that are put forward to us. Ahasuerus in the Persian Empire, Alexander the Great the Greek Empire, Antiochus III, the, the northern king, the king of the north, Antiochus IV, uh, who's the picture of the the Antichrist who fiercely persecutes the Jews and uh, ultimately that which is yet to come, which is the Antichrist referred to in the final verses of our chapter. Well, as we'll just close with a word of prayer. Father, it gives us great confidence as we thought tonight that you have uh, mapped out the, the history and, and, and revealed it to us and written it down for our understanding and our learning. Father, we thank you that <coughs> we are able to see clearly from history how um, your word has come to pass. Uh, every word that is spoken is truth. And Father, it gives us great confidence as we look into the future and uh, we, we feel as if uh, the time is, is very near. Uh, when all of these things will, will, that is yet to come will happen. And um, Father, we're, we're thankful that we shall be raptured uh, before this, this, this great evil man, the Antichrist, will rise up. And Father, we're just um, indeed also thankful too that he shall be defeated when Christ comes to stand upon the Holy Mount. And uh, he will uh, reign victorious and we shall be with him. We thank you, Father, for your, your faithfulness to your people and your grace towards us. And uh, Father, we just, um, we just pray for uh, a blessing now as, uh, as we've made these things just remain with us and give us encouragement and confidence in times to come. Father, then we just um, ask these things and pray in our Saviour's precious name. Amen.